from Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark, here again with Family Doc's Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down-to-earth advice and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for Zorba, the number to call is 1-800-462-7413. And of course, along with your call, some topics to talk about Zorba. Yes, the music you play when you exercise. I don't know what you play. I mean, maybe you play Mozart, Tom. But most people, when they go and they exercise, it's like big rock and music, right? Without with a fast beat. What's, what's exercise? <laughs> That's right. What's exercise? And the FDA approves its first treatment for kids with peanut allergies. We're going to talk about that and also talk about how to prevent peanut allergies. And our recipe? Spaghetti squash with garlic and herbs. I like spaghetti. I like squash. I love garlic and I love herbs. If you like that, you will love this recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, 800 462 7413 is our number. Give us a call if you have a question for Zorba. Let's welcome our first caller now, Zorba, a listener in Buffalo, New York. Hi. Hi. How can we help? Okay, so I get itchy like every day. Like every day at some point in the day, randomly, and I mean randomly, I will kind of get like an itch. And then I scratch it, and then it kind of breaks out into these little raised bumps. You know, usually I inflame the skin, and then it gets red, and then the bumps spread. But this will go away in anywhere between, like, five minutes to an hour. It happens all over my body, and I have no idea what triggers it. So how, how long has this been going on? Um, Years. Honestly, years, like, years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who have you seen for this? I haven't actually. You haven't I haven't. Seen I don't before. like uh-huh. have health insurance. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why. That's <laughs> what we're here for. We're we're here to answer. We're here to answer questions. Um, how often do you shower, and what do you shower with when you shower? I shower not every day, mm-hmm. like okay, every other day good. or every good. three days good. or so. Good. What do you use when you shower? I try to use like uh, like Dr. Bronner's, mm-hmm. or I'll use like a Lush product. Mm-hmm. But this has been happening like throughout cycles of different, many different products. Okay, because sometimes the soap can make a difference. Dove, for instance, is really good soap to use. Dr. Bronner's would be okay. You want to use the mildest thing you can when you shower. But if you're only showering every two to three days, you know it is probably not for that. Allergies? Do you have any allergies at all? You I'm know? not, like, sneeze allergic mm-hmm. to anything, no. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are a variety of, of, of things that we don't know that actually trigger this. They're sort of like you say, these little welts, these little bumpy things that go on. And it's really poorly understood. It's sort of what uh, uh, some people think is really an immune reaction, something called IgE, which is one of the chemicals that our body produces to really fight immunity, but can also be very responsible for allergy-type things. And this sort of fits within this class. And often people have this are allergic, are allergic to a bunch of things. So if we look at treating it with an allergy type thing, we might be able to get the body to forget doing this. Sometimes the body, if we can just get it over that for like a two to three month period, it actually stops thinking when you're scratching, hey, this is an allergy and I've got a welt up, which is what it's actually doing. So I've got a couple suggestions. First of all, I suggest, and I suggest you do this for Eight to 12 weeks, you know, quite a long time. You take, at bedtime, you take Benadryl 25 milligrams, you know, 25. If you can tolerate 50 milligrams, that's even better. Uh, You can get Benadryl over the counter without a prescription. Tylenol PM and the others contain that. Uh, And it makes you sleepy. That's why you take it at bedtime. And in fact, that's what's used for most over the counter sleeping pills. In the morning, you take two Zyrtec. Take one, doesn't make you too sleepy. Take two. Zyrtec is a non sedating antihistamine. It's stronger than the others, but some people get a teeny bit sleepy on them, but usually you'll adjust it. So two Zyrtec in the morning. And then uh, then you want to take actually something, an H1 blocker like Zantac, but Zantac has been recalled at present. So Pepsid, 
Pepsid you want to take, 40 milligrams, the generic Pepsid, 40 milligrams in the morning. And that's what I would recommend doing just for a while. Let's pull down that allergic reaction. 25 to 50 milligrams of Benadryl at night. In the morning, Zyrtec, two tablets of over-the-counter Zyrtec, and then take 40 milligrams of Pepsid. See what that does. Give it 8 to 12 weeks. That shut off the body's response to it, and that's my suggestion. And you know what? I won't even take your insurance card. Great. <laughs> 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 but try I that. I don't think it's related to the soap. So. I don't think it's the soap or what you're washing. I just think your body is just having an over-responsive reaction. Let's cut it down see what that does. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're Pre- welcome. Appreciate that call at 800-462-7413. Okay, Zorba, let's kick off our first topic discussion. Choosing the right kind of music can make your workout more effective? Well, at least that's what this particular study shows. So I don't know about you, but if I go if I go and I go to Orange Theory Gym, I've started to go there as one of the things that I do. I've decided, you know what, I've got to kick up my routine. I work with a trainer. I've got to do something with that. I find the music too loud because I'm 72 and music's too loud when you're 72. You know, when you're 18 or 20 or even 30 or 40, the music is about right. But it's a really fast tempo. It's like boom, 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 boom. And I noticed this. And, you know, it's not Mozart. I mean, who would go, who would exercise to Haydn or Mozart anyway? But high-tempo music, when you look at it, equates to about 150 to 170 beats per minute. In other words, if you look at the tempo of the music, it's like a fast heartbeat that are used in gyms. And it actually increases the perceived effort of what you're doing. And this particular study showed the music may be boosting cardiovascular benefits. In other words, it might actually boost your mood, increase sort of your your natural arousal and response to exercise. It may dampen perceptions of pain and fatigue and may actually get you to do more. And I think actually that's the reason why loud music that is very fast plays when you're spinning, when you're doing spinning, when you're doing a lot of routines. And of course, it's something that would never be present in yoga. Can you imagine <laughs> high tempo music in yoga? That would be sort of an oxymoron, right? It wouldn't be yeah. the thing that it is. But it appears to echo some similar studies in 2011 that showed the very fast tempo of music increased the intensity of exercise when you were actually cycling. So I think this, this, this plays something very interesting. A lot of people exercise at home or try to exercise at home. They can get the dust off their exercise bike. They'll get their <laughs> exercise at home. When you exercise at home, you may want to put on music that is fast with a high tempo, just like you would at a gym, because that's the thing that may actually motivate you to work out, and that may increase the cardiovascular capacity. I don't think the music actually increases your cardiovascular capacity. I think the music spurs you on to do more to actually make it a better workout. Interesting. And uh, if anyone is working out right now while listening to our show, we're going to kick it up a notch. We decided to bump up the tempo on our theme song to 170 beats per minute <laughs> to help you to help you get through your workout. So, here is the exclusive dance remix Available only in Europe on the Zorba Pastor on Your Health theme song. I love it. I love it. My heart is already racing. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> hey, let's go home. Let's call it a day. <laughs> no, we have to get back to the phones now, Zorba, at 800-462-7413. A listener with us in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. That uh, music that you just played, I think, just cured my ear ringing. There so it I is. No longer... <laughs> We've got it. I love it. I love it. I love it. How can we help I... you? I'll let you pronounce the correct pronunciation of ear ringing. Tintinus, some say tintinus, some say tintinitis. No, actually, me, actually, it's either 
It's actually tinnitus. Tinnitus Tinnitus. is probably. I'm going to use probably because the pronunciation police might right come down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're a subgroup of the grammar police. Some say tinnitus, some say tinnitus. And basically, because people pronounce it both ways, I think both ways are the common way to pronounce it. What's the scientific way? Well, in my brain, because I pronounce it both ways, it's just like autocorrect on my word processor. I never remember if receive is E-I or I-E, and I don't care because I've got it set up automatically. Mm-hmm. You say tinnitus, I say tinnitus. You say tomato, I say yeah. tomato, that kind of thing. Some people just say ringing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I have is ringing in my ear. How long? Uh, it started in October, mm-hmm. and it's worse in the right ear uh-huh. than the left ear. Mm-hmm. I went to my primary, and then he sent me to an ENT, okay. and then I saw the audiologist, mm-hmm. and she said, I have a marked hearing loss right. from right. a year ago. Uh-huh. Right. Um, right. And, I asked and no rock concerts. You didn't go to a rock concert. You um, didn't go to a disco, <laughs> or did you? A few, a few. A few. Oh, oh okay. A few. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bee Gees. Anyway, I won't go <laughs> the on. The Bee Gees. I yeah. love the Bee Gees. Yeah. Our, producer, our producer and engineer probably don't even know who the Bee Gees oh, are. Bee-Gees right, guys? Are, I'm sure. <laughs> no, they don't. Oh, they do. They do. They got mm-hmm. thumbs up. So. Okay. So the ENT guy said that it's caused... It's coming from my brain, mm-hmm. and it's right. due to stress. Right. Well, I don't. Uh, th- I don't think it's due to stress, but it, but there is a brain. There is a brain involved. There's no doubt. But you've got a distinct hearing loss. That is correct. Right. Um, so, what's your ENT doc say, or your primary care doc? My primary care doc um, went over the top and did a uh, brain scan mm-hmm. to make sure I did not have a tumor. Uh-huh. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. he said I could listen to white noise mm-hmm. when I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard a program on PBS a while back regarding hearing mm-hmm. loss. And there are some kind of headphones you can get. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I asked mm-hmm. um, the ENT guy about it, and he said, well, that." He, did, he was impressed with that, but mm-hmm. this just drives me absolutely crazy. Well, there are, there are a few things. Uh, I recently uh, read a book about hearing loss called Turn Up the Volume. I think that was the name of the book. I can't remember the exact name. But anyway, they talked about specifically this. Uh, and I've got ringing in the ears. I've got tinnitus. I've actually had it for many, many years since a child. I used to think, because <laughs> I had it, somebody shot a cap gun in my ear when I was like eight. Mm. You're next to my okay. And then after that, I thought that I could hear the sound of burglar alarm systems in buildings. I would go in as a kid. I thought, I hear that humming, that ringing of burglar alarm systems in the building. But, uh, but as I got older, I realized that ringing did not come from burglar alarms because it was in my house. And so first of all, we can't get rid of it. There's no cure. In other words, uh, that we know of. There might be a cure in the future, but there's no cure. It's associated with hearing loss. It's the loss of the hair cells that are in the cochlea, mm-hmm. which is where we hear things in the brain. Right. Um, sometimes people are more bothered than other times, so we have to look at how we can actually attend to it. Tom's uh, got some points. Uh, you, as you know, I have hearing aids. Right. Does that help at all? Well, it does. What turns out, well, do you have ringing in the ears? No. Oh, you don't, oh, you don't have ringing in the ears? No. Oh, I have, I have ringing in the ears. I know we're talking. What? When I, what? When I, when I, that's right. I just, I just can't, can't hear. hear I anything. don't have any ringing. I got the ringing. You can't hear. Hey, we make a, we make a great pair. That's why we've been on the radio so long. <laughs> uh, but getting, but getting back to the topic yes. itself, it turns out that if you concentrate on the hearing, on the ringing, you hear it more. So when I listen right. to it, and if, you, and if your brain goes to something else, you hear it less. So there are a few things. So first of all, for some people, there's cognitive behavioral therapy where people right. actually learn how to sort of ignore that. Um, there's some therapists that apparently do a very good job with that. I'm sure there are apps online. I haven't actually looked at them. But that's one way of doing it. The other way is to have something in the background. Doesn't have to be white noise. Going to sleep, white noise is a good idea. But for me, when I'm in my house and I'm alone, that's when I notice it the most. So I always have something going in the background. 
public radio. But I always have something <laughs> going in the background. And I discovered that different music changes things. So, for instance, I write a newspaper column. I can write it with Haydn in the background, that music. I can't do it with Mozart in the background, show tunes, which okay. I like, rock. There's certain music that I can use for certain things. I can use uh, I use Spotify, and there's certain uh, playlists that I actually have. And that makes me ignore the sounds. That's basically what it is. Your idea is to ignore it. Now, bedtime, a lot of people like either light white noise. But frankly, if you put on a boring show on the radio, that can also get you to Not sleep. Not Zorba Pester on Not your Not our show at all. <laughs> Not our show at all. And my, friend, okay. and my friend Dan, who has a smartphone, downloads an app, and he listens to, he has ringing in the ears, he listens to Confucius <laughs> at bedtime, and it's a translation oh, of Confucius. Oh, boy, is right. The oh, first boy. thing you want to do is go to sleep and escape it, and that cuts down on his ringing. But the answer is mentally, you have to go to another spot, or you've got to put Music or noise in the background—that's the cure. They don't okay. go for don't go for the vitamin E and the vitamins and the pills and everything else. They are worthless. And the earphones, right. there are earphones that are made, I believe, by Bose that are coming out. That for some reason you can put on earphones, and that may decrease that. But uh, the studies are pretty unimpressive. I think eventually there may be something that comes out. There also are some hearing aids that are very expensive that supposedly work. I'd go with the sound in the background, and I would go for right. trying to ignore it. Okay. And you can I do it. I will try that. Okay. All right. Thank you for your information. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Take we care. appreciate that take call. Uh, before we take a break, Zorba, let's check in now with your favorite Mensa wannabes, the Grammar oh, Police. Oh, wow. Okay, Zorba, the following email came to us from Boyd, who listens to the show on KGOU in Oklahoma. Boyd writes, Dr. Zorba, I listen to your program frequently, and today you spoke about vitamins and supplements. I agree with your medical perspective, but the word data should go with are rather than is. The word is plural, and the singular form is <laughs> data. Right, In yes, these days yes, of AI, right. <laughs> this word is often used as a singular <laughs> word. I forgive the public, but <laughs> physicians me, should me, be more precise. Now, that's really Thank you. That's really interesting. So, first of all, datum, although a scientific word, is archaic in usage. When was the last time you said datum? Every time. I Every always time. say datum. That's right. You know what I say datum? Datum is... Hey, why don't you date him? I probably said it when I was in college. That's exactly it. So nobody uses the word date him unless they happen to be a statistician. Now, they are correct. should say data are. But if I say the data are correct and I say the data is correct, there's one way that it sounds, oh, my God, he sounds like he's a little snooty because he's saying the data are correct. You know, I want to talk in a nice conversational way. Often I may say, you know, I may, I'll may i say the data is because I want to I want to relate to the common folk, you know. I don't want to relate. <laughs> oh, you're, you're not yeah. talking down I to our talk. listeners, I hope. <laughs> I the common folk, you know. I, I don't want to be snobby. So, so although the grammar police, the grammar police woman or policeman was correct, Data are, I probably will continue to say data is in the same way that I often use the plural them and they in the singular, which is also pretty suspect. Do you have data issues? Let us know by posting to our Facebook page or by sending us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. <laughs> A recipe coming up along with more of your calls and another interesting topic to talk about. And our data. Okay, all right here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the public radio exchange.
Tom Clark here with the Family Doc Zorba Pastor on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. 800-462-7413 is our number. But Zorba, before our next call, spaghetti squash with garlic and herbs. Okay, now you know what garlic is, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> and you know what herbs are, right? Yeah. yeah. Why is there an H in herbs? Why don't we say herbs? Herbs. We should say herbs. <laughs> they do. The Brits call it herbs. But spaghetti squash is a particular type of squash. Did you know that? No. No, it is a squash. You open it up, and the inside kind of looks like spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And so it's a nice way to get some texture that seems... It is a carbohydrate, pasta-like, but it's much healthier than a lot of the pasta that's around. And I'm not against pasta. I love pasta. But if you have too much pasta, it's it's too much. So this is – this has a different – it's a different way of doing a type of pasta dish. And it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. And one day you might actually try it. You know, when Monica decides to roll up her sleeves and make dinner, (laughs) you might actually – you might actually Neither one of us roll up our sleeves and make dinner. That's exactly it. Now, you can't buy shell. Chef Boyardee spaghetti squash with garlic and herbs. I just want to let you know. Yeah. It's not It's not a canned treat. By the way, I have to tell you, I made – I used to eat Chef Boyardee, like ravioli and spaghetti. Did you mm. eat it when you were younger? No. I did. It was like my go-to dish when I was in college. So I took it out with my granddaughter, Bella, and I made it. And I tasted it. It tasted really good to me, kind of like I was a kid. And I gave it to her, and she took one bite, and she said – what is this? <laughs> that was it. She didn't take anything after that. Sorry, that was a, a Chef Boyardee digression. All right. One medium spaghetti squash halved and seeded. One medium spaghetti squash halved and seeded. Some uh, olive oil and some salt. Olive oil and salt. Gar- and kosher salt. Two cloves of garlic minced. Two cloves garlic minced. Two teaspoons of white wine vinegar. Two little tea white wine vinegar. Quarter cup minced parsley. That's a lot of minced parsley. Quarter cup of minced parsley. Two tablespoonfuls of minced fresh basil. Two big tea minced fresh basil. Five ounces of freshly chopped spinach. Five ounces freshly chopped spinach. Three quarters of a cup of shredded Gruyere cheese. Three quarters of a cup shredded... What? Gruyere. <laughs> Gruyere. Just say Gruyere. Don't even look at how it's spelled. Gruyere. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is G-R-U-Y-E-R-E. I'm pronouncing it the French way. It's probably Gruyere or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a cheese that kind of tastes like Swiss cheese, but it's more robust. Oh, okay. Um, half cup of pine nuts. <laughs> Half a cup of pine nuts. <laughs> See, you got that. Yeah. And some black pepper. Okay. okay. <laughs> Obviously, you've never had Gruyere cheese that you know of, right? Oh, you, I'm sure <laughs> I've never had it. Yeah. So preheat the oven to 375, rub the squash with a little bit of olive oil, sprinkle with salt, place it cut side down on a rim baking sheet, roast for 25 minutes into a fork tender. Let it cool for about, oh, 10 or 15 minutes, then scrape the insides, that mm-hmm. the stuff that looks like spaghetti, with a fork, pull the strands away from the skin. Got to do it with a fork. Now, in a large skillet, heat two and a half tablespoonfuls of olive oil over medium heat. Let the garlic cook for about oh, a minute and a half until it's fragrant. And then stir in the spaghetti squash, the vinegar, the herbs, the spinach, quarter inch, quarter teaspoon rather of salt. Cook for about two minutes, not very much at all to heat it through. Remove it from the heat and put the Gruyere cheese that's shredded on the top. You could use mozzarella if you wanted mm-hmm. to. Gruyere is really much better. You could even use Parmesan if you wanted to, but Gruyere is the best. Then top it with pine nuts, it's nice and toasted pine nuts, and taste it, and then put a little salt and pepper. It's really a wonderful dish. It's a great, great uh, alternate to regular pasta spaghetti. It says here, serves four. Now, if I'm with three other people... Those other three people get more. And if there are two people, they get a lot. And if you make it for yourself, you get to pig out on spaghetti swash. And, you know, if you want a copy of this recipe, you can go to zorbapastor.org. That's zorbapastor.org. Or, of course, through... Facebook? Is that what it's called? You Facebook. know about Facebook. <laughs> I'm the ignorant one. Right, you're the one who doesn't use it. 800-462-7413 is our number. Did I get that right? 800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, let's see if we can help a listener in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hi. Hi, Tom. Hi, Dr. Zorba. Hi. So my problem is that my doctor spends all of his time with me looking at his computer screen rather than at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So here's how it goes. He walks in, mm -hmm. glances briefly at me mm -hmm. without smiling, mm -hmm. puts his laptop down, uh -huh. facing the wall, mm -hmm. and then he away, proceeds Away from you. Away from me. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. I'm facing the mm -hmm. door. He walks in, and then he walks over to the exam table, uh -huh. puts the computer down. Mm -hmm. And so he has to turn his head all the way uh -huh, over to uh -huh, his shoulder to look uh -huh, at me, and he, do uh -huh, he doesn't do that. Uh -huh. And he just quicks boxes, giving me no indication that he wants to know anything about me that doesn't fit into them. Uh -huh. And then after my last appointment, I received my lab results in the mail with a terse comment from him. Uh -huh. He wrote, blood sugar's elevated. Watch diet and increase exercise. And the whole deal is I've lost 35 pounds in the last 10 months. Wow. I did it all by myself. Mm -hmm. I make friends with fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. and um, I love it. Friends with fruits and vegetables. I'm going to use that. I like that. <laughs> it's a great way to think of it. And he's never asked me about my exercise. <laughs> I actually ice skate mm -hmm. uh, for about 180 minutes a week. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of exercise. Ice and skate. I'm, I'm, I'm 62 years old. Wow. Well, this was an awful experience, wasn't it, with your doctor? And there's even other strange stuff that goes on there. Uh -huh. um, his nurse, one time when she was taking my blood pressure, told me that she's done a lot of studying, and she thinks that the rapture is coming. Oh, I see. I've got it. I, I've got it. Do you live in a, a small town or a big city? Um, medium size. Yeah, you got to change doctors. Knoxville. You got to change doctors. I mean, that, I mean, you have to change doctors. Let me t talk to you a bit about about the electronic mm -hmm. medical record. So, first of all, when you walk into a doctor's office, it ought to be neutral. I don't want to. I don't want to see all Democrats or all Republicans. I don't want to. That's not my job. That's not my job to do that. I'm to treat everybody. I don't care what religion you have or all. It's not my job. Very, that's not what you're there for. You're there for your health. And that's why um, health care is really supported really ubiquitously throughout society. It's neither left nor right, up or down, back or right, you know, you know, Jewish or, or, or Buddhist or Christian or anything else. Not like that. So that's number one. Number one. That was certainly inappropriate for that nurse to do completely. Inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Now, from a doctor point of view, we have an electronic medical record, and your doctor is using it completely wrong. So, first of all, you've got you have a couple of options. One option, if you want to go back to this doctor, is say, "Doctor, please look at me and don't look at that." You have to actually say that to can I some say doctors. That? Of course, you can. Please don't face the wall. Face me and talk to me when I'm in the room with you. Mm -hmm. You got to sometimes shock people because even doctors they're dumb and they're stupid and they're looking at the screen and they're not looking at you. And the reality says, please look at me and talk to me, period. And if they don't want to do that, you say, you can actually walk out and say, I'm not gonna, I don't have a visit here. You can actually do that. Now, that's, that's a more aggressive way, if you will, of doing it. But you have to do it. You have another option. You can write that physician a note. You can write a note and say, look, I was, is, are they part of a big group or a small clinic? It's part of a big group. You write the group. What you ought to do is sit down, write a letter. Do not email it. Write a letter to the head of the group. You can call up and find out what the name of the head is. And you call up and you say, I was very displeased with my last visit. The doctor didn't look at me. The doctor just looked at the screen. Without feedback, people can't change. Even doctors can change. I lost 35 pounds. He didn't notice it. He didn't ask about it. All he did was send a terse note that say, diet and exercise. I was very un unfortunate with this. I would like to talk to somebody in person about it. That ch can change the clinic. So the way I approach it when I'm in my office is, first of all, I look at the record prior to going into the room. What, what am I going in for? Is it for a physical or something else? And then I want to look at the record to remind myself what's going on. And what I do is I go into the room and I talk to the patient right away. And then I'll say, now let's, let me open up your record. Because you, you want to be able to talk to the person eyeball to eyeball be, in order to figure out what's going on. And you didn't get that. So well, they, it seems to me that he's missing a lot of information by not looking at me. Of course he is. And it's a very unsatisfying. There, there, there has to be a simpatico relationship. So you may just decide to switch doctors within the clinic. I mean, switch doctors. That's okay. But you, well, you may, know what? Yeah. You know what? At the very end of my appointment, mm -hmm. I made some kind of comment about how I missed a previous doctor that mm -hmm. I've had. Yeah. Well, a week later, I received a letter from him mm -hmm. dismissing me from his practice. Uh, which doesn't really upset me because I didn't really feel 
uh, you know connected something? to That's him. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely insane. You know, you know something. You have to write a letter to the head of the clinic and say, "I want to talk. To, I want to talk to every clinic has a medical director. Well, not every, but ninety-five percent of them or ninety-eight percent. You should write a letter to the medical director of the clinic and say, "I was very dissatisfied with this doctor. Very dissatisfied that he dismissed me from the practice. I expect to be treated as a human being." You know what? Then I called another doctor's office in the same large group, mm-hmm. and they saw his note, and they refused to take me as a patient. Oh, you have to what? you have to talk to yeah. the medical director. Now, okay. are, are there other clinics in town, by the way? Uh, this group of doctors mm-hmm. is considered the best because it's associated with a teaching hospital. Yeah, well, they may not and be the so, best for you. The reality okay. is they're not the best for you. So first of all, A, I would talk to the medical director. That's what I would do. I would say, what's going on okay. here? I would say, what's going on? And B, if your insurance can take you somewhere else, you may not be in the right clinic. Okay. You want somebody who relates to you on a basis and is able to help you with your medical problems. And clearly, this doctor didn't do that and obviously wrote a scathing note so that the next doctor said, well, I'm not going to take you as a patient. Talk to the medical director and consider changing clinics. Both things are your option. But I would follow this up with the medical director. There's something, something's going on here that is not in your benefit. Okay. Thank you. Take care now. 800 that's, that's awful. That's awful. That's awful. Very disrespectful. Very disrespectful. Not patient-centered. Not the way things, can, that things should be done. Mm. I don't like it. Well, before the break now, Zorba, we love it when our listeners post on our Facebook page. Time again for Facebook Feedback. Facebook Feedback. Okay, Zorba, first, Terry in Oklahoma offered some help regarding a French term you were wrestling with on a recent show. And by the way, Zorba, you said, Vivality, Terry writes... I believe the French term you're looking for is joie de vivre. Oh, which, joie de vivre. Which, oh, of course. Which, of course. I would have said that right in my sleep. Joie de vivre. And you know what? My pronunciation is perfect when I say that. Right? <laughs> and if you believe that, I will tell you some I'm other I'm impressed. Myth. You might joie want to vivre. say it again. Joie de vivre. That's right. Since neither you nor I know the correct pronunciation, we can say it. No one will say it well. They will say a word. Finally, Zorba, on a recent show, you mentioned CBD as falling in the realm of quackery. That's right. So Rick in Springfield, Missouri, had this to say. CBD is highly beneficial to me Mm -hmm. to increase walking endurance. Mm -hmm. I have a facet joint problem Mm -hmm. I don't want to get surgery for, Mm -hmm. and it was limiting my walking endurance severely. A block or so, and my lower back would spasm. Low-dose, inexpensive CBD allows me to walk until my legs get Sounds tired. Sounds like a commercial. Several blocks, <laughs> several blocks more than without the CBD. <laughs> my <laughs> flexibility <laughs> is much yeah. improved. Yeah. Also, please go on to the anecdotal. How much? Do, where do I send my money? Anecdotal, <laughs> but conclusive <laughs> to me. By the way, it's facet. So I'm the grammar police, by the way, in this case. You said facet. Yeah. But that's okay. You're not a doctor. You would say You sure it's facet? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I went to medical school, but it's okay. That's all right. I was able to finally <laughs> yeah, you do that. Know. <laughs> but let's go, back. let's go back to it. CBD, advertised mm-hmm. to do everything. If somebody takes it, they're not paying a lot of money because some of the CBD is very expensive, and they feel that it works for them, by all means, take it. There's no research on it. That doesn't mean it doesn't actually work. So for this person, I would recommend using it. There is so much placebo effect on CBD oil that it's really almost frightening. Thanks for all the Facebook comments. And if you have a healthy living question for the good doc, or if you want to tell us whether it's facet or facet, <laughs> just post on our Facebook page, or you can always send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. More of your calls coming up, of course. Another topic to talk about, all right here on Zorba Pastor and Your Health from PRX, the public radio exchange.
Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor and Your Health. 800-462-7413, our number. But before our next call, Zorba, a topic to talk about. Yes. FDA approves the first treatment for kids with peanut allergies. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really a good step forward. First of all, let's talk about peanut allergies. For years, we told kids, not adults, not to give your children peanuts early because it's bad for them and they'll get an allergy. And that turns out to be exactly the opposite of the case. Mm. So there's very good research about five, six years ago that showed that peanut allergy is really caused by not giving a low a peanut product to your child early, specifically peanut butter and those sort of things, Mm -hmm. when they start eating food, probably six months, eight months, ten months, that Mm -hmm. will actually cut down on peanut allergies. That's been shown to be the case. But there are many, many people who are highly allergic to peanuts. And it's especially true of kids where peanut butter, peanut butter, PB&J is around all the time. And this is the first treatment that has been shown to actually be helpful, especially for life-threatening people who have life-threatening peanut allergies. Mm -hmm. I mean, and if you'll notice, we may not notice on airplanes, they know longer give out peanuts. They give out pretzels because they've had people with severe allergic reactions. So the treatment is a specially prepared peanut powder that is swallowed daily in tiny amounts that are gradually increased over the months to get your body used to it. So it's tiny amounts, gradually increased. It trains children and teens' bodies. So it's given to kids and teens to better tolerate peanut. So an accidental bite... That's what it's for. It doesn't mean you can eat peanuts. It's less likely to have a serious or severe reaction. So it's for kids that are highly, highly, have highly serious peanut allergies and probably also for adults. It's called Palforzia, P-A-L-F-O-R-Z-I-A. Mm-hmm. It costs $890 a month. <clears throat> so if you don't have insurance, it's about ten to $12,000 a year. To actually take this. If you have insurance, the insurance company obviously pays much, much less. Eating peanuts ain't worth it. Well, the issue is that. But for children and teens, the issue is as an adult, you can stay away from peanuts. I mean, you can stay away from yeah. it. But kids, all of a sudden, they'll be in the schoolyard and somebody say, try this. I've got a PB&J. And for a child with a severe allergic reaction who maybe is in fourth grade, mm-hmm. they may take it or they may not even know that peanut is in it. I mean, you know what kids are. They share yeah. food. Yeah, right. And they share things of that nature. So it becomes really a very problematic issue. So the answer to this is for people with severe peanut allergies, this is one way and especially for kids to go. But the answer for young moms and young dads who have children, introducing a peanut product early into their lives, peanut butter, obviously not peanuts themselves because you don't do that until they're significantly older, may cut the risk of actually developing a peanut allergy at the source. And that's even more important than this particular treatment. 1-800-462-7413 if you have a question for Dr. Pastor, 800-462-7413. Back to the phones now, Zorba, a listener with us in Buffalo, New York. Hi. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? Well, I got shingles about eight months ago, Mm -hmm. and um, after the initial outbreak of blistering, Mm -hmm. I was told that, you know, the, the... Singing, the itching could go on for a little while, but that after a certain time, if it didn't go away, would be considered chronic. Well, we're past that point now, and I was prescribed gabapentin, mm-hmm. but I don't like the way it makes me feel. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. I'm how much, wondering. How much were you taking, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Did it make you feel tired and dopey? Yeah, and mm-hmm. I can't. I can't do that during uh-huh. the day. Sure. sure. So I'm wondering if there's an alternative when when things just start acting up. Because sure. I stopped taking it because mm-hmm. it's not, I, I did not like the way it made me feel. Uh-huh. So I just kind of endure mm-hmm. when I have these episodes mm-hmm. in my eye and face. And I'm wondering if there's something I can take when, they, when it happens, mm-hmm. when it occurs, rather than every day. Oh, sure. Now, how long has it been since you had shingles exactly? What's the time? It'll be eight months. It'll be eight months. So there's still, there's still, by the way, is hope. There still is hope. Although some people can get it for one or two years. Some people have it forever. But most people, over time, will get things to settle down. How long are you on the gabapentin, by the way? How are we? How long? How how long? How long? I try to, I took it for about 
three weeks, mm-hmm. maybe th- maybe a month, mm-hmm. and I just I, I just felt stupid all day long. Mm-hmm. Right, and that does that might well, not be the gabapentin, but <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's no gabapentin can do it. So there's another drug, pregabalin, which is under the name Lyrica. It just has become a generic, so it's cheaper. You may tolerate that better. Now, the maximum for that particular drug is 150 milligrams, I believe, three times a day. What I would do, and I would go to the Lyrica, I would stop the gabapentin. It's in the same class, but the Lyrica also has been approved by the FDA for this. And if you're having, how often are you having your flares, your pain? Um, sometimes it's every day. Um, I've noticed caffeine definitely stimulates the nerves. Mm-hmm. But I keep my hair up for my job, so when I take my hair down, mm-hmm. that's when it happens. Yeah, I um, would, I, and that that is not an unusual thing. And normally, uh, 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 when you have when you have shingles, you can norm a normally pleasant sensation such as touching your face can actually produce pain, and that's been yes. known. That's a very known thing. So I would. First of all, I would go back to a daily medicine, but I would try I would try pregabalin, which is lyrical. Okay. I would start out with this. First of all, I would take a higher dose at bedtime, no matter what drug I would use, because I would tolerate it. It'll help me sleep. Does it bother you at nighttime at all? Uh, it does when I switch positions. If mm-hmm. my face touches that, you know, the pillow. Right. So what I would do is I would start out with pregabalin. I would take 150 milligrams at bedtime. I would let it sit for a week. Okay. And then after a week, after I tolerated it, I would see if I tolerated 50 milligrams in the morning. Give yourself a week or two to adjust to it. Just realize I might be a little tired. I might, you know, it's going to take a while to get over. See if you tolerate it. If you do, I would take 50 milligrams in the morning and 50 milligrams at noon. That's what I would do. It's three times a day. Hard to take a drug three times a day. But I would take 50 in the morning, 50 at noon. And I would take 150 at bedtime, and I would just stick with that, and that may work. But the thing about it is, if you find the dose that has the threshold that doesn't make you dopey but works for okay. the pain, I would do that because that's really your best chance. Because you don't want to treat it after the pain is there; you want to treat it before. And I would try this drug; it's a good drug. Full disclosure: many years ago, I did clinical research, and we did research on this. It must have been maybe a decade ago, maybe 12, 14 years ago. Um, We found out it was very effective, but we also found out it had side effects of sleepiness, and often you work around that by changing the daytime dose, but keeping that nighttime dose higher because it's more effective. You don't care if you're sleepy when you're sleeping. Okay, that sounds good. Now, are you going to get the new shingle shot? Yes, but I I don't know. Am I supposed to be symptom-free? Not at all. Not at all. I don't think there's any evidence. I would not wait. You're eight months out. I would get the new shingle shot. There's no doubt I would do it. Uh, uh, There's no great evidence, but there's enough evidence so that you don't want to get you don't want to get another flare. So it's it's two injections. Talk to your doctor. Get the shingle shot. Do not wait until you're pain-free because who knows when that's going to be, and you don't want another flare. Right. Right. Okay. Great advice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, we Thanks appreciate for your the call. call. Thank you. 800-462-7413, our number. Okay, Zorba, let's pry open the Zorba Pastor on Your Health inbox and share a listener question. Actually, this question came to us via snail mail on an actual piece of paper. Ruth from Buffalo, New York, wrote, Dear Dr. Zorba, as a longtime listener to your radio program, I was happy to find that you recommended light boxes for people who suffer from seasonal affective disorder. I was thrilled to receive one as a Christmas gift this year and couldn't wait to use it. Imagine my disappointment when I opened it and read the warnings against use by people who have macular degeneration or who take medications that cause them to be hypersensitive to the sun or bright lights. <laughs> Since I fall into both of those categories, I'm afraid to use Wait a it. Minute, those are three categories, and she said both. No. Bright lights. No, I, I but think she has the, macular I think, degeneration. I think one was an extension yeah, of the other. Got it. Okay. Uh, Just want to keep the grammar correct so nobody corrects us. So please go on. <laughs> if I, if a mistake was made, it was my mistake. <laughs> no, it could have been her mistake. You know how these written letters are. Please. Oh, don't, don't blame, let me don't blame you. the listener. Never blame the <laughs> Shouldn't the manufacturers of these lamps state the warnings in their ads and print it 
in a conspicuous place on the outside of the packaging so people might not waste their money. I'm surprised, too, that you didn't mention those caveats on your program or in your column. Or are you like most guys and never read the instructions? Thanks for listening to my yes. gripes. Yes, I am. I'm like most guys. I don't read the instructions. And you put it on the package. If it's in fine print, it goes over my head. Uh, well, the reality is, uh, number one, if you if you have a photosensitive medication, and medications are photosensitive in the sun, but they're not photosensitive in the light, you'll get a rash when you use it, and you're gonna you're not gonna do it. I think this was a CYA. You know what CYA is? Cover your. You don't, you don't say it's public radio. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let people figure out what the A is. I think it's a CYA thing, and I don't. Uh, I've never read any evidence that it's actually bad for macular degeneration. I don't know if that's the case. I'm not sure. So I've never read any evidence, but if you've got macular degeneration, you've got to talk to your eye doctor because you have to see what your eye doctor says. I don't have the answer to that. As far as taking medications, I think people take it, and if it's a photo, if you're on a photosensitive medication and it does it, you're going to get a rash and you stop using it. Besides, who reads the fine print? Yeah. But uh, her other suggestion, put it on the box. So before you open the box... Yeah, but you know, if you if you open a box yeah. and you get something through the web, you can return it yeah, unless you bought it, it at back a site. Up again, yeah. No, no, no. If I buy something on, you've heard of Amazon, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> if I buy something in Amazon, I open it up and I don't like it. I bring, I return it. I bring it to a UPS store or Kohl's and mm-hmm. I return it. Even if I open up the box, I can still return it. And I return items that I use all the time. I mean, that's what good shopping is. Do not buy something on the web like this that you cannot return because now you may have to pay for shipping, mm-hmm. but you can return it. But she got it as a gift. Oh, yeah. you know, it's a different issue. Have a healthy living question for us. Zorba will show you the light. There you go. Just send us an email out. Oh, terrible. Zorba at WPR.org. Back to the phones we go now. Zorba at 800-462-7413. Here's a listener in West Lafayette, Indiana. Hi. Hi. How can we help? Well, I would like to know if there's something I might be doing that I'm not currently doing about my... um, pain in my body, it feels as though um, I have an electrical current turned on Uh high, Uh and I don't know how to stop it, Uh and I don't know how to fix it. Uh And where in your body is this, where you have this sort of electrical feeling? Is it in your legs or your hands? Mostly mostly in my legs. I've also had restless legs in the past, Uh and it's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. It's not like that at all. Do you have diabetes? Yes, I do. That's probably what's causing it. You're it's, kidding. It's a peripheral neuropathy, and it's usually caused by diabetes. That's exactly it. Mm. And it's electrical feeling because the nerves do funny, funny things. Are you taking any medication at all? Um, I'm on insulin for uh-huh. my diabetes. Any any medication for this feeling in your legs? No, I, I've... Um... Been to several doctors. Nobody has any answers. You have. You probably have peripheral neuropathy, and you should try gabapentin. It's it's a. About that? Gabapentin. And if that doesn't work, you have pregabalin, which is Lyrica. But gabapentin, 100 to 300 milligrams three times a day, depends on the dosage. Some people need higher. Some people do well on just 100 milligrams three times a day. We'll often tap that down. May not be bothersome. Some people take, as I say, a higher dose at bedtime and a lower dose. But gabapentin is probably the drug that you have. And that electrical feeling, even though you've gone to other doctors, is often treated well with a uh, with one of these drugs, which actually, they're, uh, they're anti-convulsant drugs, but they're used for com- commonly for neuropathic pain. So gabapentin, 100 to 300 milligrams, three times a day. Start with the lowest dose, see if it works, 100 milligrams in the morning, after a day or two, twice a day, after a day or two, three times a day. And if it's not enough, to increase it to 200 milligrams, three times a day, and then you go up. They come in 300s, 400s, 600s, and 800 milligrams. I have some people on 100 milligrams three times a day, and I have some people on 800 milligrams three times a day. My and, goodness. And many people, when they find the dose that works for them, tolerate the dose, will say 50 to 80 percent, 90 percent of their neuropathic pain will go away. That's what you need. Hot dog. 
That's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care. Thank you for the call at 800-462-7413. Now, before we head out today, Zorba, let's fire up another edition of Disagreeing with the Doc. Disagreeing with the Doc. The following email came to us from a listener named Brian in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. He writes, Hello, Dr. Pastor. On a recent show, you dismissed electric eye masks in your medical quackery segment. However, depending on what they are, they may actually be quite helpful. I'm an optometrist and frequently recommend hot compresses for my Bohmian gland dysfunction, which is extremely common and can be a cause of dry eye. Hot compresses are also affected for styes. An example of an in-office eye mask is Lipiflow, which apparently works very well, although I have no experience with it. Great show. And I look forward to it weekly. Well, uh, I want to get back to this. I don't think uh, when we talked about it, we didn't talk about an electric eye mask as being bad for you. I don't remember exactly what the mm-hmm. context is. Uh, but when it comes to compresses, warm compresses, of course, he is he or she is 100% correct. But the best stuff to get, and you can buy these uh, either in a drugstore or on the web, are ones that you heat up in the microwave. And they've got little little pellets, because I use that mm-hmm. on them. And you heat them up for 30 seconds in the microwave, and they stay warm. And that's the best way to use it. They're not electrical. They're portable. They're easy to warm up. You could probably warm them up in water, but basically the microwave is better. And that's those are the kind I recommend. I don't know what electrical one he's talking about, but it was something that really had to do more with quackery than anything else. But for dry eyes, there's nothing like a warm compress. Mm -hmm. Do you not always see eye to eye with Zorba? Don't mask your feelings. Let us know by posting on our Facebook page or by sending us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. See you next week, Zorba. Stay well, Tom. If you missed anything during the show or just want to download our show podcast, visit us on the web. At ZorbaPastor.org or, of course, through Facebook. And don't forget you can call us anytime at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doctor. Our executive producer is Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark, asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.